gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. We made it. Episode number 100 of the Can't Wait podcast. Whether you've been listening since the start or this is your very first episode, thanks a lot for joining us. Tim McMaster here, along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. We have lots to get to, guys. Of course, plenty of Deshaun Watson chatter. We're going to talk about Star Wars because Connor finally got through them all. So we'll <laughs> check in on that. We'll uh, get his rankings. If you haven't seen them on Twitter, we'll go through them. You can tell them. Tell us all how bad they are. And we got some mailbag stuff coming up. But first, because it is our 100th episode, guys, a, a few oh things God. just as we go down memory lane. Um, 100 episodes ago, the very first episode, August 27th, 2019, the beginning of that Jets basically training camp into the season. First episode, Avery Williamson injured and how Sam Darnold could have a great second year with the New York Jets. Connor didn't go so well from there for this team. No, I think that's pretty. It is. It is kind of wild how far we've come, though. I mean, honestly, yeah. that is that is probably the, the. I remember like the the whole thing was starting this podcast too. It was like we we had we had started having these all hands meetings where they were hinting at having a podcast and like hinting at at you know oh we're we're branching into this. We want to go through the audio. We want to do like this. And I was always kind of like, well, my start was like when I started my career, like I wanted to be a broadcaster and I wanted to be in radio. So I, I've worked at a radio station before. I've never had a podcast, but I had to do an, an EDM on air two hour, three hour shift like twice a week when I was in college. And then obviously I broadcast and stuff. So I thought a podcast might be cool. But I remember when they came to like me specifically and they were like, hey, so what, what's your, your interest in potentially doing a podcast? What's your interest in doing this? Are you really into it? Are you not into it? Like, what's the deal? And I was like, I'll be honest with you guys, like I'm, I'm interested in doing it. However, I don't want to do it alone. Like that was my big thing was I didn't want to have like a podcast where I just sat there for like an hour myself and I just talked. I thought that'd be, that just wasn't really my thing. So they were like, you know, it's cool. Like a lot of people have said that we actually have this guy that we're thinking about bringing on as, and we're going to do a co-host, which obviously turned out to be Tim. And then we also got our little Baba Booey and, uh, and Marissa. And I think uh, it's it's cool that it's come this far. Like, like also, it's it's fun to look back. Like when we were talking about Avery Williamson getting hurt and Sam Darnold going down and this and that and the other thing. I mean, it was really negative and upsetting, but it was also not too bad because we only had like 20 or 30 people listening to us. And now we're sitting here. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to be on Apple, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are provided. We're double streaming right now on Periscope and YouTube. I'm looking here on the comment section on this uh, stream yard over the hell we're using. We've got all these different comments coming up. I mean, it's cool. It's kind of cool not only to see where how we started this, but but where we've kind of gone and, and gotten to from here, which is I, I love it. I think it's awesome. Uh, a couple other things just as we go kind of down memory lane. The first 10 episodes, Williamson got hurt. C.J. Mosley got hurt. The Jets traded for Demarius Thomas. I think we had like three emergency podcasts in the first 10. That's right. Marissa yes, was yes. like, is this what this is going to be like? I'm like, um, And Sam Darnold got mono. And three of the first 15 episodes, titles included the word spleen. I mean, how many <laughs> podcasts can say that? <laughs> Only the Jets. Uh, we've had some great guests along the way, too. Dan Orlovsky, Cynthia Freeland, uh, Greg Van Roten joined the show, Duke Mannyweather this year, Dane Brugler, of course. Um, the Real Housewives of New Jersey's Evan and Jackie Goldschneider joined <laughs> the show as well one. in the early days. And a slew of uh, writers 
here at The Athletics. So um, thank you for everybody that's joined. Thank you for everybody that's listened. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And here's to the next 100, right? I think so. Yeah, like I said, what, what I said not too long ago, like I'm, I'm back on for another two years. So at least two years worth of uh, podcast right. coming our way. <laughs> and hey, hey, with the way yeah, Russ is like, God damn, I wanted a new Jets writer. You sure, you sure don't want to go into another field? You sure you don't want to branch off a little bit? No, I've enjoyed all 100 of these episodes for sure. She says yeah, so, that with her fingers and toes crossed. Hey, right. I would really like to do some episodes involving Deshaun Watson. You know, that would be, that would spice things up. Do you remember here. when Marissa really wouldn't talk, Tim? Do you remember that too? <laughs> like we get, we get the comments all the time. Like, like, why isn't Marissa talking? Doesn't, the, my favorite is when they go, doesn't the girl speak? That's, that's <laughs> no, like the go-to. No, does she do anything? Does she do oh, anything? Oh yeah, do, doesn't a, the girl speak? One. Yep. Like, people don't realize, like, obviously, like, OGs and the day ones that, that were listening, like, when we first started this, like, Marissa really didn't talk. Like, now she, like, talks, she converses, she throws haymakers at me. Like, so at least we, we've got, like, she really does speak now. But you go back and you watch the first couple or listen to the first couple, you would, like, there was nothing there. there was, well, like, before Marissa we were on talking. YouTube, too. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. was just pressing the ones and twos. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Deshaun Watson, and if you are tuning in uh, on YouTube or Twitter, we we do look better for episode number 102. So um, we have upgraded things as far as that goes. So uh, we'll be able to get some of your comments up on the screen, too. So we're excited about that. But Marissa mentioned Deshaun Watson. So, Connor, let's get into some Jets talk and let's start right there. Um some things have happened in the last couple of weeks since we've done a show. One, Matthew Stafford was traded. He's a 33-year-old quarterback closer to the end, and it took two first-rounders, a third-rounder, and Jared Goff just to get him, which gives you an idea of what it's going to take to get Deshaun Watson, right? Much more than that. John McClain um, had a tweet from the Houston Chronicle. He mentioned uh, two ones, two twos, two young defensive starters. I mean... That's a lot. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And I'll be honest with you, though, when we when that trade initially came down. Sorry, I'm tweeting. I, I grabbed a screen grab real quick about how we've upgraded. and, and Focus, Connor. The Focus. Link. I am. Guys, I'm, nothing's you can't, changed. Marissa is not tweeting for me right wrong, now. That's, he's not focusing. You know, same thing. We got to keep it. We you know we're upgrading some things, but we got to keep the, the pod, you know, structure as it's always been. Yeah, Mar- yeah, we got to we got to go back to Marissa tweeting for me. But um, no, so so when that trade first went down, when when the Matt Stafford trade first happened, Marissa, you can take over the tweeting from here because I doubt I can't do it. I tried it. I thought like New Year, New Me, right? Like right, New Year, New focus. Me. Like we've got the Streamyard going. I can when the, tweet too. When the Matt Stafford trade went down, continue. yeah. So I can't. You got to tweet for me. You got to let him know this is this is what we're. Uh, you got to let him know this is what we're talking about. But yeah, so when that trade first went down, when the Matt Stafford deal first went down, that was my original thought was that, okay, he went for two ones, the the extra like middle round compensation and Jared Goff. Did this just set the scene for Deshaun Watson? You know, and, and, and that was my initial thought. In fact, I actually fired off that tweet and it was like, oh, this is it now. The stage has been set the, the deal is done. This is now the beginning point for it all. And honestly, the more I thought about it, the more that I broke it down in my own head, the more that I kind of went over this and over and over and over it. Honestly, I don't know if you can compare the two. And, and I don't necessarily know if it's an apples and apples line to draw type of thing and and it's cliche but it really I think it is honestly apples to oranges and the reason for it is that 
the reports that have since come out breaking it down, and, and Mike Silver from NFL Network had a really good breakdown of this. Albert Breer had a really good breakdown of this. Guys that are obviously have links and ties to both Detroit and, and L.A. and were able to kind of connect some dots and fill in some blanks. There were six to eight teams in on Matt Stafford. There were six to eight teams talking to Matt Stafford. They were the ones that were in on him, right? If Deshaun Watson is is actually available and and there are some questions and concerns on on if he actually is there and there are some questions and concerns and if oh is is Matt Stafford really the guy and is Matt or I'm sorry is is a, are the Texans really interested in trading Deshaun Watson is the deal actually going to get done there, there's a lot of like back and forth right now on on the legitimacy of all that stuff but but if he is actually available you're not going to have six to eight teams in on Deshaun Watson you're going to have the Jets in on Deshaun Watson along with 20 to 24 other teams. I mean, unless you are Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, and maybe two other guys, Russell Wilson uh, and, and Kyler Murray, you're 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 not in. Joe Burrow, you're not in on Deshaun Watson. The everyone else in the NFL is going to be in on this guy because he's a 25-year-old in the prime of his career that the moment he steps foot on a football field, he's an MVP candidate. So when you have that many people interested in a player, that many teams interested in a player, it's honestly unprecedented. And it's there is no comparing. You can't say, oh, Matt Stafford went for two first-round picks, so that means Deshaun Watson's going to get four or five, or that he's going to get six or seven, or he's going to get eight first-round picks. You know, Obviously, I'm exaggerating. But you can't necessarily say that because there is no situation to compare this to. So when it comes to Deshaun Watson... The starting point is three first rounders. And if you want to say, you know, high first round picks matter more than lower first round picks and and this matter, okay, whatever. The first offer that comes through is going to begin at three first round picks. And then it is going to escalate from there. Because when you have 20 to 25 teams that are going to be interested in one player, it becomes a bidding war. And if you've ever seen Storage Wars or anything like that on on uh, whatever Discovery Channel, I think it is, or whatever the hell has that, and like they the auctioneer starts and he's rattling off and all of a sudden he's just pointing to different people. Everyone's upping and everyone's upping and everyone's upping. That's what it would be like for Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. I mean, you're going to have this guy, say the Jets are the first team that calls, that calls the Texans and says, all right, this is what we've got. We've got three first-round picks or two first-rounders this year, one of our two next year. We'll give you a second-round pick next year and a fourth-round pick this year as well. That's our first offer. The Texans say, okay, that sounds good. San Fran, what do you got? You want to throw in Nick Bosa? Carolina, what do you got? Washington, what do you got? And then it just starts escalating, and it goes from, okay, this is the Jets' first offer. This is the next offer that comes here. Okay, that offer now comes in. Do the Jets counter? Do they? Ca-? And it just starts spiraling. And I honestly don't think you can compare the Matt Stafford situation because Matt Stafford is a 32-year-old who has had very little postseason success, who is a good but not great quarterback. He's better than Jared Goff, but he's not excellent. Deshaun Watson, like I said, is an MVP candidate the moment he steps on the field for any team. The guy threw for 4,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, and seven picks for a crappy Texan team that went 4-12. and All of those marks would have set franchise records for the Jets. So I don't think you can compare it. I don't think there's anything to, to, to gain from it because if Watson is actually available, and obviously there are uh, concerns on if he's actually available – it's such an unprecedented situation that it's just going to be a bidding war. And it's going to be, he could go for three first rounders. He could go for four first rounders. He could go for three in Bose. He could go for three for Williams. We'll see. I'm going to say it right now. I think if if I'm the Jets, if I'm Joe Douglas, I'm out. No chance. Like, it's not, it's just fine. Deshaun Watson's great. Yes, absolutely. 
but it's too much. And what it reminds me of is Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker goes from the Cowboys to the Vikings. And what happened after that trade when all those picks and all that stuff went to Dallas? The Cowboys and Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin, they won three Super Bowls. The Vikings did nothing, but they had Herschel Walker. And I'm just afraid. I know it's different. It's a quarterback. Herschel Walker was a running back, and that trade was just dumb because Herschel Walker was a running back. Quarterback can change a game. Was he aging too? Wasn't he aging too? Yeah, he was a little Walker. older too. It's it is different because of that. But I just think the Jets have gotten to this point where they've collected all this all this money to spend and all these picks to fill all these holes. And if you spend it all on quarterback, there's you're just never I think you you instantly become a lot better, but I don't think you ever get to great or it's gonna be a long time. I I, I would I would pass if it if the price is that high. And it has to be at this point when you see what's out there and all the teams that are involved. So that's just my take. And I wouldn't say that if the Jets didn't have the number two pick. If they had, you know, if it was number eight or number nine and you were like, well, we can't get a quarterback there that's going to be a franchise guy probably. But when you're sitting there with number two, I think you got to trust yourself that that's where you get the guy and you still have all those other picks and you can build around the rookie quarterback. I just think it's the better route and feel free to slam me in the chat and do whatever you want. But, but I would pass. I would, I would be out on Deshaun Watson if, if it's going to take two, two ones and two twos and a player and all that. I have gone back and forth on this. I, I, I honestly have because you know, it's, should they be back out? Should they not back out? Should they make the ridiculous agree, you know, it, it, un, uh, unparalleled offer that the Texans can't say no to. And, and honestly, I, I'm, I know people are going to get pissed when I say this sentence again, but I'm not a Jets fan, so I can't relate to the fans. That's going to be the new have, ding, Marissa, instead of yeah, uh, rocking and rolling. Yes. It's just, I'm not yeah, a Jets it's, fan. I'm not a ding. Jets fan. Yeah. I, I like, but so I can't, I can't relate to the fans that say I've been covered. I've been watching this team since 1992. I've been watching this team since 1970. I've been watching this team since 1960. And I'm so sick of the Vinny Testaverdes and the Chad Penningtons and the Christian Hackenbergs and the Sam Darnold. I want the sure thing. And I can only go back to when I started covering this team in 2014, when it was Gino and Michael Vick. But I think what I go back to is you have a chance to get a guy that is it going to cost an absurd amount? Yes. Is it going to cost the pieces that can potentially make you a contender by 2022, 2023? It makes it harder because you obviously will not have as many assets as you would when you're going to trade them away for Deshaun. But the one thing that I cannot get over is that you're not talking about a quarterback that's 30. You're not talking about a quarterback that's 32. You're not talking about a guy like Jay Cutler when when the uh, the Bears traded for him. You're not talking about somebody like Brett Favre when the Jets traded for him. You're not talking about somebody like Phillip Rivers when the Colts signed him and brought him aboard. You're talking about a player that is 25, that with the way that he plays quarterback, as long as he avoids an injury could conceivably be on your sideline for the next 15 years if he wants to play till he's 40. If he wants to play till he's 35, you still got him at least another 10 years. I mean, Watson's not somebody that relies on his athleticism. He's not somebody that relies on, 
you know, running the ball and taking egregious hits. He's ridiculously accurate and has a strong arm and pocket presence and then can run if he wants to. So he's somebody whose body and play style will withstand the test of time like a Drew Brees, like a uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, like a Tom Brady, although Tom Brady is kind of the, the the extreme of that with what he's been able to do. And now I see he wants to play till he's 45 or, or over 45. So to me, if you can get that done, it makes it worth it. And look, I mean, the Jets aren't going to give up five first-round picks for this guy. I mean, I think that the capper of it is four first-rounders because I don't think the Jets are going to be willing to give up Quinn and Williams. I don't think, after listening to what Robert Sala said about him in his introductory press conference, I have a feeling that that's a, he's coming off. That that he is not going to to, to, to be on the board. He's not somebody that's going to be some Like, the Jets are going to say, oh, we want Quinn and Williams. The Jets are going to say, well, we're not trading Quinn and Williams, so we'll throw another draft pick in there for you. But when I see what Watson does, when I see the type of player he is, where there is literally no red flag on this guy. There's nothing. I guess he got hurt once and hurt his knee, but he bounced back right away. He's accurate. He's a, a, a insane leader. He is a dominant player. He can make every throw. He's strong. He can, it's, he can do everything. That there is not a price that is too much to get him. In fact, if you can get the Texans to agree to trade this guy... The Texans immediately took too little because he's he's just that dominant. But what I always go back to, and it's what people are going to be pissed off about, but I just don't know why Watson would want to come for the Jets over the alternatives that are out there. And, and see now, Marissa, just you can just shout this out. You don't have to message me on Slack because I just happen to look up on the right corner. But like somebody wants me to answer the question on the screen, just say like, "Yo, Connor, answer the question on the screen." Uh, like play like the players that are on this guy, John, John, you just hit the thing on the head. It's that the players that are untouchable. Um, uh, Quinn and Williams obviously is untouchable. Makai Becton is untouchable, and that's it. It's Quinn and Makai. That's it. Those are the only two players that are untouchable on this roster. Everyone else is. If you want them, you can get them. But I don't know if the Texans actually want them. Um, but I, I, the thing I always go back to, and we talked about this the last podcast we did a couple weeks ago, Tim, is that I don't see why Deshaun Watson would want to come here. And I know that there was a report out there earlier that, that, oh, he's the Jets are number one in his list. Uh, Deshaun Watson's agent kind of came out on Twitter and, and dispelled that. And I know people were like, oh no, there's been a bunch of reports that are out there and there's been a bunch of stuff said out there. You know, he could be referring to those and not the source of close to Watson wanting to play for the Jets. Now I, I heard pretty, I heard pretty solidly that that was in reference, and solidly, I heard straight up that that was in reference to the Jets, that the Jets are not the number one team on Deshaun Watson's list, which again, I know Jet fans are not going to be up in arms, and they're going to be going crazy, and I'm going to be getting ripped about how much I hate the team, yada yada, which is complete and total bull, bull you know what, but if you think about it, when you remove the green colored glasses, and you just look at this, why would Deshaun Watson have the Jets ahead on his list from the San Francisco 49ers? Why would he have the Jets on his list aside from the Miami Dolphins? The 49ers were in the Super Bowl last year, and they would be an even more dominant offense if Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't there. The Miami Dolphins won 10 games with bad quarterback play from Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tua. Tua. Like, why would he choose those teams? And so, like, the whole he's the number one option, that David, the, the tweet from David Mulgetta, the Deshaun's agent, that was in reference to the Jets. That was that was shooting down that rumor. And and so we'll see. I mean, look, can the Jets still get something done? Maybe, yeah. They just have to overpay and maybe they can convince them. But it's just I don't see I don't see it. I, I just I just don't see the Jets being number one in his list. I don't. Especially with this trade now going down with the Rams to get Matt Stafford. 
you know Kyle Shanahan is going up to John Lynch and saying, look, we have to go against Kyler Murray twice a year. We've got to go against Russell Wilson twice a year. We got to go against Matt Stafford twice a year. And we got Jimmy Garoppolo. The one thing, like when I, I called a couple people that are very familiar with Robert Sala's defense, we're going to get to this later on in the show, but they said like uh, Robert Sala's defense and also Mike LaFleur's offense, which is the one, which is literally Kyle Shanahan's offense, which is what they're going to bring to the Jets. He's going to run with the Jets. He said the way that you stop the Kyle Shanahan offense right now is you make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you. That's how you stop Kyle Shanahan is you make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you. So I asked the person that was breaking it down for me. I said, I was like, all right, well, what if that offense had a better quarterback that was not Jimmy Garoppolo? And he said, quite literally, we would be effed. That's what we, that's what he said. We would be effed. That, that's how he described the offense. So you know Shanahan's like, if I can get Deshaun Watson, I'm unstoppable. And, and there's been rumors and flirtation that they might be willing to include uh, Nick Bosa in that deal to try to get him. If that's the case, the Jets, like, the Jets are out of the running. And, and if you're Watson, you'd much rather play for a team that was in the Super Bowl last year or a team that was a game away from the playoffs last year to, compared to a team in the Jets that in order for the Jets to get to the 49ers level or for the Jets to get to the uh, the the Miami Dolphins level, they're going to need the draft picks that they would have to trade for Watson. Yeah, if your championship window is already open, then giving up those picks just means less because you're trying to win now and you don't care as much about the future. You'll deal with that when when it, you know you get to it. One thing that I can't get out of my mind with this too is if the Jets made this trade, right, and they get Deshaun Watson, and then three years from now, you look at things and the Texans get all these other picks, um, all these pieces. They draft Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson doesn't become Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to say that. Zach Wilson becomes a very good quarterback. Plus, the Texans use these other picks, hit them all, and suddenly they're in business. And the Jets are like, well, that could have been us. I mean, they would have Deshaun Watson, though. So there, there is that. But I just, that's like the, the Jets fan nightmare, right? Is that that number two pick becomes something almost as good as Deshaun Watson, plus you gave up everything to get him. Uh, that That's the nightmare, but we will uh, we'll certainly see. But I think you're right. At the end of the day, I, I just don't think he ends up in New York for a number of reasons. he wants to play for New York, yes. Right, Correct. exactly. Whether it's his decision, whether it's Joe Douglas's decision, I think it goes another way. But it's still fun to talk about, and we will keep talking about it until he finds a new home. And what, real quick before I, we, we move on to the next subject, is like the one thing that everyone keeps saying, and, and this is what's like, the lore of playing in New York, right? Is like, oh my God, it's New York. It's New York. It's New York. 10 years ago, that made a difference, right? Like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when there wasn't social media, when there wasn't a way for players to promote themselves, there was that, that carried so much weight. But I mean, how much has the New York star power worked to get people to play for the Knicks? You know, like no, no one plays for them. It, it's the same thing with the Jets. It's the same thing with the Giants. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I know he made the playoffs this year, but in two years with the Browns, he's been in more commercials than what Eli Manning was in his 20 years as the Giants quarterback. And Eli Manning, I mean, you see he's a marketable guy. You saw him on SNL. You see him in the direct TV, TV commercials. He's a funny, comical, marketable guy. He played in New York. He played for the Giants, the biggest media market in the world. And Baker Mayfield, look all the commercials he's on. Pat Mahomes is in Kansas City. Like it, it in, in the NFL, the NFL is such a monster and the NFL is such a beast that it doesn't matter the team you play for because the marketing will come because everyone watches the team. I mean, the Cleveland Browns 
do the same ratings as the Jets would or the Giants would or any of the LA teams. I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't. I mean, look at the two LA teams. Like seriously, how many, like Justin Herbert and Jared Goff were the two quarterbacks in Los Angeles. Like that's a pretty big capital. Las Vegas, there's Derek Carr. Baker Mayfield in Cleveland is in more commercials. Like that, that whole that whole thing, it's, it's just a flawed argument. Like, it, it worked 20 years ago. It doesn't work anymore. And and I don't think that would be a drawing point for Deshaun Watson, a player. If he wants to play for Robert Sala, that's more of a reason. He has friends who live in New York and he wants to come home. That's a reason. More so than, oh, it's the New York marketing. That just, it doesn't it doesn't work anymore. All right, we're going to get to a lot of your questions. Uh, first, though, we need to check in on Connor's Star Wars rankings because we, we started <laughs> talking about this a long time ago. But Connor, I give you credit. I What, two months you watched them all? I think about two yeah. months. Um, I haven't and seen Solo, but. That's right. Solo doesn't really count. It, I mean, it, yeah. it is what it is. Uh, but Rogue One you did watch, which is much more wow. into the canon of the whole show. I actually binged The Mandalorian with Mandy over the weekend, both, ser- both seasons. Um, as Good. we watched the snow yesterday too. So that was tremendous. I know you'll get to that eventually, but we'll go down the rankings. I think they're overall solid. There's some things I need to call out, but number one, and oh, we should say before I go through these, you've pulled episode five, you pulled Empire Strikes Back out of the rankings yeah. due to a rewatch. Can you please explain yeah. <laughs> explain that to everyone? So I got eviscerated yes. on social media. As you, like, as you should have. As, as I've been most of this offseason, I have no idea how this happened. Like, this is a wild pivot that Jets Twitter has taken towards me. Like, I am public enemy number one. Everyone hates me lately, which is a real new feeling. I mean, I thought I was, I was like, oh, Adam Gase is gone. The love is going to be felt. I was dead wrong. Like, it is like you say anything that is not said with green colored glasses and you are just beat with a bat. Like, it's insane. But anyway... I didn't help matters with my Star Wars rankings. And the original one was obviously I had Star Wars Episode 5 below, I think it was Episode 3, Rogue One, and Episode 4. I think I had five after all of those. And and my reasoning for it was like, it's fine. It was good. Like I, I shouldn't say it's fine. It was good. I just liked the other ones more. And I ended up talking actually to De- Dennis Wozniak, who covers the, the Jets for the Associated Press. And he, he made the the point so clear to me. It was like, one of the reasons why that movie is so insane is that when it came out, that is when you get the massive reveal of Luke, I am your father, right? Or right. or I am your father, Luke, or whatever. Because it's not actually Luke, I am your father, which I did not realize. Like, that's not the actual line. It's something else. But it's like, I am your father, which is like, it's like wow, I thought there was a Luke common there. Um, I did not, I like, that was a big reveal when this movie came out. I'm 28. I'm going to be 29 in, in seven days in a week. So it's, we're going to have another emergency pod for that one. But like, I, I've known my entire life that Darth Vader was Luke's father because it's just common knowledge. Everyone says, Luke, I am your father. So it was known. So that wasn't a massive reveal because I knew it. The other thing too is anyone who has any kind of general knowledge knows what Yoda looks like. But when episode five came out, that's also the first time you see Yoda. So those two massive developments take that movie to another level. And I think for me, when I was watching it back 40 years later, it didn't have the same lust and it didn't have the same uh, uh, momentous feeling because I already knew those two things. So I'm going to I'm gonna rewatch it back with those two thoughts in mind. And I have a feeling that it's probably going to jump to number one because when you think about those two things, it does make a legitimate difference. But watching it 40 years after it's come out for the first time, you kind of have a general uh, idea of it. 
To me, there's one other thing with Empire that stands out when you think, and and again, it's the same thing where you have to think back to that time period. Um, The bad guys win Empire for the most part. I mean, Mm -hmm. the good guys survive to fight another day, um, but Luke gets his hand sliced off. He's destroyed by the fact that this evil being is, is actually his father or says he is. I mean, it's dark. The end of that movie is things aren't going well. And when that movie came out, Movies didn't end that way, right? For the most part, like, I feel like in the time from when Empire Strikes Back came back to where we are now in Hollywood, you have a lot more movies where darkness wins, darkness prevails, just dark themes in general. And I think that stood out in that movie. It was like, oh, wow, they went there with this thing. Um, And obviously, you know, Return of the Jedi comes and everybody finishes off happy and blah, blah, blah. Um, But that that stands out too. All right, so for the rankings, with five removed, number one, you have episode three. Love that movie. I'm not going to kill you for that. that I mean, that, what, what, episode three. (sighs) I I should kill you. I thought it was good. It's bad Obviously, it's, it's, when you look at those first three movies, right, numbers one and two were only made so that you could have three. Like that was the only yeah. point of having one and two was for three. And three is very good. Yeah. Um, that's a little high, but but three is good. You have Rogue One number two, and, and I'm with you on Rogue I love Rogue One. Um, and then episode four is number three. Um, obviously, that's what started it all. Uh, then you have Return of the Jedi number four. That's good. Then seven and eight at five and six. Then you have Massive Gap, which is totally fair. Here's a little one more twist, and we got to move on because I'm sure people are like, I can't believe they're talking about Star Wars. Like they asked for my Jets question. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Number seven, you have episode two. Number eight, you have episode one. Number nine, you have episode nine. That's harsh. I mean, nine was sucked. I'll I'll give it disappointing. It you know you were built. This is the end, and it needs to be great, and and it wasn't. But for anything to be below number one, I don't know, man. It was trash, dude. It was bad. Maybe you need to rewatch number one and remember how bad that one was. My issue with nine. Okay. No, No, go ahead. Your issue with nine, and then then we'll move on back to the Jets. One thing. It's my my biggest issue with nine is like, and I've talked to my friends who are huge, like uh, my buddy Matt, my buddy Alex, like Sean, like these guys are huge, huge Star Wars people. And like they said that basically one and two were, by the vast majority of Star Wars fans, uh, very harshly reviewed so the people who were making star wars started panicking a bit and they were like okay how do we save this i know we'll bring back palpatine and i personally i'm not one of the the i'm not a star wars like junkie or anything like that but i from watching like from watching all of them and heading into this i would i have no problem with them bringing palpatine back i generally i genuinely do not care about that my issue is that if you're going to bring him back you don't all of a sudden start at the third of those uh, uh, sequels by saying, oh, guess what? Palpatine's back. And they tell you by the first one sentence on the scroll. Like, that's a huge storyline. That's a huge deal. Like, you were bringing back a guy that was like the main villain of this show. You're randomly bringing him back. Like, that's something that you have episode seven and you kind of hint at it a little bit. Right. Then in episode eight, you hint at it. And you're like, oh, my God, Palpatine's back. And then boom. Episode three comes. I mean, you compare it to what Marvel did with Thanos and Thanos was hinted at pretty much. I think it was from like the first Avengers movie. He was hinted at at the end. And all of a sudden you spent like 10 years building to get to, to, um, uh, uh, infinity war and then Endgame. So like it mattered when Thanos showed up because like, holy shit, the guy is back. 
with like like that could have been the same thing with Palpatine. Instead, they were like, "Oh, he's back, by the way," uh, and now we're just he was cloned, and it, like they didn't explain anything. It just right. I hated that. I asked, and all of a sudden, it's like, "What do you do?" Like it could have been so much better. Like that was my issue is that it could have been so much better. But I liked Episode Seven, and I didn't mind Episode Eight. I just hated that Episode Nine was like, "Uh, Palpatine," and then just threw it in your face. And it was like I have a million questions, and they answered none of them. Which was and, pissed me off. And part of the problem people have said is that, um, you know, switching directors between movies one and two kind of hurt the tr- the uh, the overall storyline through one through three. And then you have the, the director from one comes back for three and tries to finish what he started, but two got in the way. And yeah, it was a mess. Um, all right, Marissa, are we moving on to Mailbag? Or yes. do you want to take a break? Mailbag? Let's start mailbag, then we'll take a break. Yeah, All I right. think, um, right. you know, everyone's been sending in their Jets questions. And, you know, everyone's <laughs> like the Star Wars talk, though, but, like, it's going a little bit above my head because All I right. have not seen them. So I guess I have to, I guess when I take my uh, vacation, I need to get on board so I know what you guys are talking you about. You need to watch but... all ten and rank them. Yeah. That's your homework. <laughs> um, all right, so we will go with this as our first question from... I'm going to do my best to pronounce this. This one from YouTube, the Wicked 50 Cal. What is your take on the 23rd pick? Before the Saul hire, I would have said that it would have been a lock for a wide receiver and offensive lineman to get drafted. But now that he is the head coach, how likely is a defensive end drafted? Um, I'll tell you what. So earlier last week or two weeks ago, I, I talked to a couple of people that were very familiar with Robert Saul's defense and a couple people that were very familiar with Mike Sala. Uh, God, there's so many of these people now. Like, they all have the same name. So it's Robert Sala uh-huh. and, and Mike LaFleur. Mm-hmm. But there's also Matt LaFleur, and there's a Kyle Shanahan, and there is a Mike, Mike Shanahan. Shanahan. So it's yeah. like, my head's so spinning. But So I talked to a couple people about Sala's defense and a few more about LaFleur's offense to kind of figure out what they need to be successful schematically, what they do X's and O's. And then once you know the X's and O's of the team, and once you know what they do schematically and the type of players they need to be successful, you can go through and look at the Jets roster and say, they have this, this, and this. They need this, that, and that. Like, you can go through and start doing that. So the thing that I came away thinking was that the Jets desperately need on offense, they need a, a they need receivers that can make yardage after the catch because that's what made LaFleur's offense so successful. And this is tying into what they're going to do with the number 23 pick. They need receivers that can make plays after the catch. Uh, guys like Debo Samuel, because that's in when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, that's what they had. They had guys that, that they would allow Jimmy Garoppolo to throw to, not have to read a defense and not have to worry about guys beating him. He would throw to a window or throw to a spot. His player would catch the ball at that spot and then make like 10, 15 yards after that. Uh, Denzel Mims is a linear player. He's not necessarily that yak guy. Uh, Brashad Perryman is not a yak guy. Jamison Crowder kind of is, but he's more of a slot wideout. So the Jets need somebody like that. Um, they also, they're set up pretty well at left tackle, right tackle, and center with Becton, Connor McGovern, and uh, George Font. Those guys will benefit a lot from that zone blocking scheme because they no longer have to move people off the ball. They just need to get to a spot and seal off, which is a much easier blocking scheme. It's a lot easier at offensive linemen, and it can help make good linemen look great and average linemen look good. So the Jets are going to be fine with Mekhi Becton, Connor McGovern, and Fant. What they're going to need and need desperately is they have to improve the interior offensive line position at the guard spots. I mean, Greg Van Roden might be able to survive here, but they need to get better there. Alex Lewis, they need to get better there. I mean, those are two positions that they desperately need to improve. 
defensively, they need zone corners, but those could be potentially easy to find. And they need to find that that Leo weak side defensive end, their Nick Bosa, the guy that is going to get to the quarterback and pressure the quarterback with speed off the edge. Because at those other three defensive line positions, they're actually set up quite nicely because Quinn and Williams is going to play the three technique. You're going to have Foley Fatukasi play the two inside like as, as the more bigger bodied guy. You're going to have John Franklin Myers and Jabari Zuninga, two guys play that strong side defensive end, which are guys that are more apt to be a little bit bigger, a little more physical, guys that can stuff the run. But then in passing situations, you can take Fatukasi off the field and slide one of those guys back into the, the, to the uh, two inside to have a matchup nightmare with the center and guard positions. You then bring another speed rusher on the outside to play the defensive end. What they don't have is what the 49ers had in Nick Bosa, what the uh, uh, Cliff Averill and, and other guys that the, the Seahawks had when their defense was so dominant as that speed rushing defensive end. They need to go find that. So at number 23, I could see them going offensive guard with a, a Wyatt Davis, a guy like Ohio State's Wyatt Davis, somebody that can play that position. I don't think they'll go receiver at number 23. But I could see them going uh, at corner where you have J.C. Horn, uh, Samuel, Asante Samuel, like 99. Yeah, it's Asante Samuel's kid. Um, Asante Samuel Jr., J.C. Horn, Asante Samuel Jr. Those are two zone corners, which the Jets could need. I see. I could see them going there. Or I could see them going with a defensive end pass rusher because they do need that. Now, the one concern here is that they do need the dominant defensive end. They need the game-changing pass rusher. And in this draft, there are players that have some skill sets. There are players that might develop. But I don't necessarily know if they have if that guy's in this class because there's no Chase Young, there's not a third Bosa brother. Those guys aren't in this particular class. So uh, the 23 pick, I think you're gonna like I said, you're gonna look at maybe a guard. I think you could go corner, or I think you could go defensive end because those are kind of the three positions that the Jets need uh, significantly. And obviously, free agency will be a very big tell as well. So if the Jets go and find a way to sign Bud Dupree or Yannick Njoku, suddenly they don't need the defensive end. If they sign Joe Tooney and, and another guard, well, maybe they don't need another guard. I mean, you'll, your free agency coming first is usually a big tell for the draft, but those those positions would be ones that I would monitor. So uh, Topak1 on Periscope asks, any idea what Darnold trade compensation may be? Yeah, so I mean... I know some people were like, oh, Matt Stafford got two ones, so Sam Darnold should definitely be worth a, a first-round pick. I don't see that happening. I mean, it's all going to come down to – it's you know, we were talking about Watson, and we were like, all right, well, Deshaun Watson, it's going to come down to the first offer, and then there's a bidding war. It's not going to be that extreme. I think it's going to come down to, okay, who lost the Darnold sweepstakes? So the, the, the team I would probably keep an eye on – would be Washington. I think that they would be one that might be very interested in Darnold because they're not going to be realistically in there for Deshaun Watson. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a real chance of trading up to be able to get Fields or be able to get Wilson. So they're going to have to look for somebody because it's very unlikely that they go into next year with um, Alex Smith as like their quarterback. You know, that's it. So I think they're a team that I would watch. And then for them, it's just going to be a matter of can the Jets create some kind of a bidding war where there maybe are two or three teams that are interested in Darnold and they can play those two or three teams off of each other and say to Washington, hey, we've got a, a three and a five from Carolina. Can you do better? And then maybe Washington come in and say, okay, we'll give you a two. You know what I mean? Or, or the Pittsburgh Steelers are another team to potentially watch and, and things like that. So um, I would say... When the dust finally settles, I think he'll probably go for a two. I think you're, I think the Jets are going to be able to get a second-round pick 
maybe if a bidding war commences, they'll be able to get a two and a five. But but I think a second round pick is something something likely for for Sam because some general manager and some coach is going to look at him and say he failed because of uh, he failed because of uh, the Jets. He didn't fail because of him. And and you get some better people in there and around him, and, and he'll be fine. All right, we got another one here from uh, Isaiah Hinton, Connor. Looking at the offseason as a whole, he says, do you think there will be any surprise signings from the Jets this offseason? That's a tough one. I mean, I I think that you'll get – I think – I don't know if there are really surprises anymore because, like, the Jets are going to be linked to everyone. I mean, they have holes pretty much everywhere, so they're going to be linked to everyone that's a player. But – I would keep an eye on on Brandon Scherer from Washington. I would keep an eye on Joe Tooney from New England. I think the Jets, if both of those guys hit free agency, the Jets can be linked to both of them. And I think there's a very good chance they come away signing at least one of them. Uh, they're going to be tied to basically every single 49er free agent. And I guess one of the um, uh, the fullback from Washington, um, or the fullback from, from San Francisco, uh, Kyle... I keep for I had his name down pat like I had it set on how to pronounce his name. It's it's Yusek Yuchek, the fullback number forty four, the the fullback for for uh for San Francisco. He'll be my surprise one. I think that I think he's the surprise signing that the Jets going to go out there and get. And and from talking to some people, they said that the one thing that really you Yuzchek, there we go, Kyle Yuzchek, um, he is somebody that really took that 49er offense to another level. And he was somebody that when you put him on there, like the the big thing that, that Kyle Shanahan wants to do is he wants to dictate what defense is going to be run against him. And the way that he substitutes guys in, the formations that he uses, the motions he uses, he basically makes it so you have to run a certain defense against him and then it allows him to beat it because he knows what defense is coming. And having check in there and having him on the field made it basically so that the opposing defense had to be in their base personnel because, and then Juszczyk was a guy who had the ability to split out. I mean, he could run, he could run patterns. He could carry the ball himself. He could catch out of the backfield. He could block. He could do it all. So he's going to be a free agent. The The 49ers are going to be a team that's tied to Watson. And if they add him, they're going to be a little cap strapped. So I don't know if they're going to have necessarily the ability to bring him back, but if they, if he hits free agency and he's out there, I think he's somebody that the, uh, the, the jets are going to go out there and, and do everything they can to get. All right, this one is from Justin on YouTube. Do you think there's any chance Trey Lance is the pick at number two? No, not at number (laughs) two. Uh, I don't. I I think it's the more – I think that the Jets – I don't also think they'll take Justin Fields. I I think that the guy is probably going to be Zach Wilson at number two if they decide to keep that pick. And and the more that I talk to people and the more that I kind of hear some clamor and start doing some research – I think that the 2021 Jets quarterback is either going to be Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold. It's going to be one of those two things. And I think when the when things are finally clear and and uh, Sala completes his evaluation, it's going to be Zach Wilson. Because when I talk to those people about that Shanahan offense that that Lafleur is going to run with the Jets, it's predicated on the quarterback being able to move within the pocket. So get out in the pocket. It's predicated on the quarterback being able to throw on the run. Uh, it's predicated on the quarterback uh, being accurate and and decisive with the football. And the people that I talked to said Sam can have success and Sam will be a better quarterback playing in a Shanahan type system than whatever he ran with Gase and what he ran with with uh, Jeremy Bates, which was kind of like a really poor man's Shanahan offense. Sam will be better. But the more that I had this offense explained to me, 
the more I stepped back and said, aside from Deshaun Watson, what obviously is, is the X factor that changes everything. But the more that that offense was explained to me, I kind of came away saying, holy hell, it's tailor-made for Zach Wilson. Because what takes this offense from being very good to next-level great is when you have a quarterback that can stretch the field. And you have a quarterback that when he is forced to play within the pocket, which is not necessarily what Shanahan wants him to do, but when he's forced to do that because they take away the perimeter and they close the pocket in on you and they aren't allowing you to get outside, he has to be able to stretch the field and attack the field and get down the field while also avoiding the turnover. And if you watch five minutes of Zach Wilson play, you can tell the guy has a cannon for an arm and is ridiculously accurate down the field. And I think he is just tailor-made for this scheme. And, And this offense will work with Sam. This offense has a chance to be ridiculous with Zach Wilson in it. And I think ultimately he'll be the pick that the Jets make at number two. All right. Next one's from John Finnegan through YouTube. Uh, anyone know about Jason Awe? I think I'm saying that right. Out of Penn State, he might be there at 23. I guess the two parts yeah. of that, Connor, are do you think he'll be there at 23 and would the Jets be interested? Dane does. The hell if I know, but Dane <laughs> does. Brugler, who we bring on all the time, he's our draft guru. He's actually somebody, when I was writing this story, uh, on the defense, which you guys can check out on the athletic, the Robert solid defense and what they'd need. Uh, I reached out to Dane and was basically like, Hey, jets have the number 23 pick. I think at number two, they're going to be going with the quarterback. I was like, if they keep number 23, what 43 pass rushing defensive ends are there. And Oh, it was one of the guys out of Penn state that he, that he highlighted and said, I think he'll be there. And I think he'd be a good pick for the jets. So he's a scheme fit. And he's somebody that I think if he's there, the jets could pounce on. Absolutely. If they don't come away with, I don't think they'll go after Njoku in free agency. I think they could look Ningakwe. at Ningakwe. 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 Yeah, sorry. Ningakwe. Terp. Thank you, Marissa. There Terp. you go. I haven't, I've always, I've always just said Yannick. I've never <laughs> had to worry about the last name before. Uh, if Ningakwe. Ningakwe. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I, Yannick. If he, if he is out, if he's somebody in free agency, I don't believe the, I don't think he's a Joe Douglas type player, so I don't think Joe Douglas will go out there and try to sign him. I just I don't think he's a Joe Douglas guy. Uh, I think that Shaq Barrett it would be somebody that was a better fit and somebody the Jets could go out there and look if the Bucks let him go and, and depending on what the Bucks want to do there. Um, Bud Dupree is one. Melvin Ingram is another one from the Chargers who I think could be a one-year rental who still has some pass rush ability. I don't think Yannick would be somebody you go out there. But if the Jets don't sign one of those players, then yeah, I think I think Oh would be a good a good addition for them. All right, we're going to wrap with this question so we can discuss what you wanted to talk about the most, Connor. This one says, what's Connor's favorite superhero movie and game? But speaking of games, uh, I think there was like a little announcement today about NCAA uh, football Yes, coming it's coming back. back. So, Michael's, didn't you say Michael was big into that? Like, wasn't Michael a big, he loved uh, that a big game. NCAA he loved fan? that game. Best so game, I, yeah. Best yes. game. I mean, so I've, had, I I've felt no pressure to get back into console gaming over the last like seven years because there was no college football. I was like, eh, I don't need it. And but sucks. now, now things are, things are changing. Yeah. All right. So answer the yeah. question. I, yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm curious if they're going to be able to pay the players. So you'll have player likeness, but mm-hmm. NCAA, in my opinion, was always a better game than that. Like from a, a, a game perspective and me and my friends from college, we always used to do it. We would, we would take our teams and you'd be like a coordinator too, which was the cool thing was like, you didn't have to be the head coach and run offense and defense. You could be a coordinator, which made the games go by faster. So we'd all be offensive coordinators and we'd take the job from like offense, offense. Then we go to like, try to be a head coach and you'd be recruiting. You take these random schools and try to make them powerhouses and stuff like that. I used to love Boise state because of the blue field, yeah. 
but the game was always fun. The game was always well designed and well done. So I am excited to have uh, I'm excited to have NCAA back. I am. And Tim Tim said he's gonna have to get a console. I know Marissa, you've been trying to, to track down a PS. I don't. I hope yeah. likes some in the chat, but uh, I know you've been, you've been trying to track down some next gen consoles or stuff like that. So if we could, we, that's what we'll have to do. Because you know what, Tim, we're doing this uh, yard stream yard thing. And uh, what they, I'm pretty sure that one of the things they let you stream on with the StreamYard is Twitch. Mm. So if you get a PS5, um, I'm tapping gets, out of that. I do enough. And Michael gets, I am gets, not we'll just replace stream with on well, Twitch now. <laughs> we're, we're, I think we're gonna do. I think we're gonna have to have. We're gonna have the Can't Wait <laughs> podcast in the morning, and we're gonna have. We're gonna have to stream our NCAA games on Twitch to the loyal followers. We'll, can't we'll get can't wait after and, dark. Uh, yeah, can't wait after dark. Dark, we do we do Twitch streaming on NCAA. I think that'd be fun. We do it, but okay, uh, so my favorite. Yeah, answer the question. Yeah, so my favorite superhero movies, uh, obviously everything that's come out with the. I, I loved Iron Man one because I love it what it started and what it did. Endgame obviously was so remarkably well done and probably the perfect movie. I mean, uh, Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier was so good. Um, but I'm gonna go like. Aside from like the cliche ones that everyone says and the cliche ones that everyone gets on, because I think that just picking one of those Marvels, the MC, like Spider-Man Far From Home, like picking those, those are so remarkable and so well done. But one of my favorites is the original X-Men's. Like when you go X-Men 1 and X-2 before they completely botched everything with X-3, those two movies were so well done, had such incredible acting in it, uh, special effects, everything. I'm a huge X-Men fan in general and Wolverine is like my favorite superhero. So seeing those guys come to light when I was a kid was just so awesome and so great. And I think that was like next level. Like I just loved it. And what's crazy is like when they came out with Avengers, like the first Avengers movie and the next Avengers movies, I'm pretty sure that those directors and stuff, when they were piecing that movie together, they actually went back to that X-Men 1, X-Men 2 uh, movies to see how they did it. Because X-Men 1 and X-Men 2 were kind of the first movies that took multiple superheroes multiple big superheroes you had cyclops you had wolverine magneto professor x gene gray storm or mystique uh, G, um rogue all of these characters and they all had screen time in an hour and 45 two-hour movie and they still managed to make it work and they were like all right well if we're gonna have iron man captain america thor black widow like how are we gonna get them all enough time where it doesn't seem like it's just an Iron Man movie with sneak preview. And they actually went back and watched and, and studied how they did it with X-Men to set the stage for Avengers. So X-Men 1, X-Men 2, I'll say are my favorite superhero movies. And my favorite superhero game is I love, obviously, the two new Spider-Man. Miles Morales is sick. Uh, and obviously, Spider-Man PS4 is amazing as well. Um, but I'll actually go back to Marvel Ultimate Alliance. That game was on the Xbox 360 Definitely not Xbox One, Xbox 360. The first Marvel Ultimate Alliance I thought was an amazing, amazing game. So much fun. Uh, I logged so many ridiculous hours into that game and probably played through the story mode 10 or 15 times when I was a kid. So favorite movies, X-Men 1 and 2. And uh, Superhero, I'll go Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Love them both. All right, good stuff. That's going to do it for us for this episode. It was number 100. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Uh, here's to the next 100 from here. Um, if you like what you hear from here, you can read great stuff, too, at The Athletic. Right now, you can join for just $3.99 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast and join for just $3.99 a month for your first year. Connor's on Twitter at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M. McMaster, and Marissa is at Marissa underscore Morris. We'll see you again on episode 101. <laughs>